What is up, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and Southern reporter. So glad to be with you. Less than 48 hours away from Game 2 in Nashville, Sunday noon kickoff. Right there in Nissan Stadium. Own one Texans, own one Titans. Somebody's got to get a win. Now, there is no guarantee of a team getting a win, as we found last week with the Browns and the Steelers, but you get the point. Somebody's going to walk out of there with a win. Somebody's going to walk out of there with a loss. Now, it has been a while since the Texans have had a win. November of 2017 against the Arizona Cardinals. I believe that was November 19th, 2017. As I noted last week during the broadcast, the Texans have not won a Sunday road contest. That's the key, a Sunday road contest since November, excuse me, December 11th, 2016. If you think about that, 2016, December 11th, 2016, last regular season road win on a Sunday for this team. Now, they've had one road win since. That was against Cincinnati. That was last year on a Thursday night. In fact, it was on this day last year. Sean Watson turned 22, got the win 13 to nine in Cincinnati, and that really kind of set up the next few weeks where Deshaun was the talk of the league and was absolutely fantastic. So no wins since 2017, November 19, 2017. No road wins since, well, a year to this day. No Sunday road win from December 11, 2016. My point in all that is this team needs to win in the worst way. There's no question. Now, we're going to talk about tonight how they go about doing it, but we've got a lot, a lot to get to tonight. We've got our Deep Slant interview of the week with DB Sidhu. It is Aaron Colvin, the slick way. And we'll also have a get-to-know with Drew Doherty. This week, it's Bruce Ellington. We're going to go men behind the mics tonight with Mike Keith, the play-by-play voice of the Tennessee Titans. Mark Vandermeer sat down with the longtime Titans voice, Mike Keith. I'll give you my picks to all games this weekend against the spread and straight up. Give you my keys to the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And then we are going to have the final word with Drew Doherty. This week is Tyron Matthew. And we will also have player reporter, a.k.a. KJAC TV. So we have got plenty to get to on the show. Let's kick it off, as we always do, with some hot reads. That's right, hot reads presented to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. And you know how we do it. Right off the bat on Friday, we get right to the man that will lead this team to Nashville against the Titans, that being Bill O'Brien. And Mark Vandermeer caught up with him earlier today. Coach, I always think the division is kind of like family feud. You know their personnel pretty well. So right. what about this first matchup with the Titans and what they're trying to do this year? Yeah, you, you have that exactly right. It's, um, it's a team that obviously, for many reasons, that we're familiar with and we're going to do the best job we can of putting together a game plan and trying to uh, get these guys in the, in the right position to make plays but uh, it's a big it's a big game I mean it's a it's a division game and um, and and the division is really what's most important especially early in the season what does Dion Lewis do for their running game when you compliment him with yeah. Derek Henry yeah good question he, he's very good uh, Derek's a big back uh, very physical guy and then when they mix Dion in there 
you've got a little bit more speed, a little bit more quickness, and uh, definitely uh, change of pace. And, and he's really good in the passing game. So it's a Dion's a big challenge for our defense. You told us earlier in the week you're preparing for Mariota no matter what, because that kind of gets you ready for Gabbard if that was going to be the case. Right? I think you have to prepare for Mariota. I mean, until they actually rule him out, you better be ready for for the starter. And you know, a lot of what they do with Gabbard is pretty similar you know so it's not like you're having two separate game plans uh gabbard's got a different skill set and some of the things they do but um you know you have to prepare for Mariota. very sad news about kevin johnson but you have to feel yeah. good about the versatility you have on the back end to be able to absorb something like this yeah it's tough i mean I, I you know that was a tough decision um i think it was in the best interest of kevin um and and so moving forward uh, you, you know, I think that uh, we do have versatility there. We're able to move guys around. We brought Sharice right in. You know, he's had a decent week. So I think there's some guys back there that can really help us. Dean Pease, you faced him before. You coached with him before. And now you're going up against him in this environment. With that personnel, what was it like preparing for what you expect out of their defense? Yeah, I worked with Dean. I mean, Dean uh, is an excellent coach, uh, very hard worker, very smart guy, uh, using their personnel basically how he believes they should be used which is really good for them because he knows how to do that he knows how to take his scheme and kind of fit it to what what he's got and so it's going to be a big challenge you know they they have a lot of guys that are good defensive players Jarrell Casey inside Arakpo off the edge Morgan will probably play you've got the the uh the corners of Dory Jackson obviously Malcolm Butler you know you've got some real challenging players there and Dean's doing a good job so we're, we're going to have to really execute and uh, play at a high level we always talk about special teams and they had a kick return for a touchdown last week you had a pretty productive day in kickoff yeah. returns as well last week special teams will be big you know they they had a kick return for a touchdown Jennings 100 yard return um dory jackson's their punt returner he's he's brought it back for touchdowns in the past very elusive guy great speed so special teams will be important our, our special teams we believe are better and our special teams will be an important part of the game all right back to back on the road so final factors in pulling this one out coach you know vandy it always comes down to uh you know the ability to take care of the ball the ability to run the football to execute at a high level in the passing game and then on defense take take the ball away uh, and, and do a good job of stopping a run and then, you know, play really good situational football. That's what it will always be. I think special teams will be a big factor in the game, and, and uh, you know, I think our guys have had a good week of practice and we'll be ready to go. Thanks a lot, Coach. Good luck. Thanks, Vinny. There's no question this is a very important game for this entire organization. Coach O'Brien, staff, the players must win. I don't know if it's a must win, but I've seen teams go to and bounce back from it, but I know – the pressure that you feel to start the season 0-1 ramps up at 0-2 exponentially. Go to 0-3. Oh, my goodness. I remember 2015, we lost to Kansas City start the year. Went to Carolina, a team that would eventually play in the Super Bowl that year, and lost 24-17. Had a shot at the end zone, a couple of shots at the end zone late in that one, down by seven, but couldn't get the win. So 0-2 coming back here for Tampa Bay. That was a stressful week, oh my goodness, as I've been around. That, it was just everybody on pins and needles. Got to get this one. I don't know if I would say this is absolute, total must win, but I think everybody understands the sense of urgency that goes with this one beyond a shadow of a doubt. All right, let's get to our next hot read. And this one ends up being very, very important each and every Friday, and that is the... Injury report. Oh, yes, the injury report. Now, the Titans have got some news on their side, and we'll get to them in just a second. But your Houston Texans, as far as today goes, you had everybody essentially limited participants that had been 
limited participants. Batamosi, Clowney, Coates, QT, Covington, Edgefor, Fuller, Hopkins. They were all limited participants in practice. A DMP today was Kayvon. Now, he had been practicing on Wednesday and Thursday, but did not practice today. That was to be expected. I, I think for Kayvon, we're thinking probably week three, week four. All those players are questionable. That I just mentioned, limited participants, Kayvon Webster is out. So he's the only one ruled out at this point. Now, here's where it gets a little bit dicey for the Titans on the injury report. They had full participants today, guys that have been there. Corey Davis, Matt Dickerson, Rashawn Evans, Harold Landry. The limited participants, Jack Conklin, Marcus Mariota, Derek Morgan, Luke Stocker. The DMPs, Dennis Kelly, Taylor Luan, Kendrick Lewis. Now, what does that mean? And here's the big one. Jack Conklin is ruled out. I expected that. I had read a report, a couple of reports actually. I think it's Travis Haney of The Athletic, who was the first one that I saw, said to expect Conklin around week four. Well, it's week two, so it would make sense that Conklin's not quite ready. He is out. He is, and he was a second-team All-Pro as a rookie. Good, solid second year. Hurt that knee in the division playoff round against the Patriots in January. So, not too surprising he's not back. He's ruled out. He's out last week. He's out this week. Not really surprising there. Mariota, Harold Landry, Derek Morgan, Luke Stocker, they're all questionable. Taylor Luan, all-pro, Pro Bowl left tackle, he is out with the concussion. Kendrick Lewis at safety, who once was starting safety here in 2014, he is also out. Dennis Kelly, brother Tim Kelly, Texas tight end coach, he is questionable. So Conklin and Ke- I'm sorry, Conklin and Luan out. So they're definitely going backups at both spots, and Dennis Kelly will be one of them if he is ready to go. He has been sick, has not practiced the last couple of days. Depending on the type of sickness he's dealing with, can he get back for Sunday? I don't know. And at that point, if he comes back for Sunday, is he able to play a full game out at tackle? Is he able to play a full game? That becomes really interesting because it's going to be about 84, 85 degrees on Sunday in Nashville. Yikes. Now, Luan started the game at left tackle, and Dennis Kelly started at right. And then when Luan ended up getting hurt, they had to move Kevin Pamphil into the game, number 66, and move things around to make sure that they were all set. They only had, if my math is correct, they only had seven they only had seven offensive linemen active because Conklin was already out and Anthony Stinney was declared inactive. So they've got some issues on the offensive line. Now, with no Conklin and no Luan, Mariota questionable. Mike Vrabel said today, head coach of the Titans, said expect Mariota and Gabbert not to share time but to see both of them. That tells me that Mariota is not – he's – they're going to look at him, I would think, on Saturday and before the game on Sunday, before they deem him absolutely ready to play. And my gut tells me that if he is not – if he is not, I don't say perfect, because nobody really is perfect at this point after training camp and after game one, but if he is shaking in any way, shape, or form with that elbow – I think they'll shut it down and we'll see Blaine Gabbert. 
This is my hunch. We definitely will not see Conklin. We definitely will not see Luan. Kelly being questionable makes this really, really interesting. They're going to have to be some transactions the Titans make if they do not think that Kelly can get back. That's three tackles, not to mention one all-pro from his rookie year and one pro bowler in Terry Luan, one of the top 100 players in the league. So it could get dicey. Now, before you start cheering from the rooftops in some sense, first of all, I don't like doing that with guys that are injured, but the other aspect of it is we've seen that before, and I'll give you a great example of that. It was 2015, and it was going into the playoff game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I remember reading that Mitch Morse was not going to start at center, and I thought, oh, my gosh, we are going to eat. They got some guy, some six-rounder named Zach Fulton. We're going to eat. Fulton ate our lunch. He destroyed guys up front. We didn't get any pressure. Fulton completely took over. And I remember thinking, man, we got to take advantage of it. No way. Now, it's a little different when it's your two tackles going against Watt and Clowney and Merciless, potentially Edgefort, et cetera. But the Texans at that point, and we'll get to this a little bit more in keys to the game, but they have got to make life miserable on the inside. Wait a second, John. You said the tackles are hurt. Yeah, the tackles are hurt, which means they're going to give all kinds of help out to those guys as much as possible, which is going to leave the inside vulnerable. So if they're going to send guards or slide the protection one way, guys are going to have to eat on the inside. That means DJ Reader. That means Clowney when he moves inside. That means Watt if he moves inside. That means Merciless if he moves inside. Anybody rushing from the inside has got to win one-on-one. No questions asked. No doubt. And if they don't, it's going to force Romeo have to bring some pressure. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But the only out for your Texans, Kayvon Webster, the out for Tennessee, Conklin, Luan, both starting tackles, and Kendrick Lewis, the safety. So there you go. That is the injury report. And those are your hot reads presented to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Coming up, we're going to go deep slant and get to know. Deep slant with DP Sidhu. This week, it's the slick way. Aaron Colvin. And then we're going to get to know with Drew Doherty, Bruce Ellington. Yeah, there's some fun. Bruce gives you actually what he and Jadeveon Clowney's tag team wrestling duo name would be. Yeah, you have to stick around for that next on Texans All Access. Calling all Houston area teachers. Want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? Well, and I got something for you. Sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. That's HoustonTexans.com 
slash Toros Math Drills to learn more about Toros Math Drills presented by Phillips. All right, welcome back to Texans All Access. Glad to be with you on a rainy, kind of dreary day, and I got a feeling it's going to be that way, not only in Houston. It's been that way down in Galveston. Y'all stay safe down there. I've seen some of the pictures and videos of the street flooding and things that have happened. Man, they have gotten waylaid with the rain. So you guys hang in there down in Galveston, and hopefully everything will be okay. But, man, the rain has just been plentiful, especially over on the East Coast where I've got plenty of family. My wife's entire family is in in North Carolina. DJ Reader from North Carolina. Carlos Watkins from North Carolina. Got a bunch of guys from South Carolina, Clowney and J. Joe and Bruce Ellington and Hop and Deshaun's from Georgia, which is sort of where Deshaun is from, Gainesville, Georgia. Depending on what the path of Florence takes, it could dip down into South Carolina and get to that northeast edge of Atlanta, and that would, in fact, uh, impact the Georgia area. So a lot of North Carolina and South Carolina representation on this team, and so I know I know the guys are, are concerned. I talked to DJ the other day. He said, he said that his – his family has gotten out. They got to Atlanta. They were sending him pictures from the road when they had to evacuate. It's tough times. Obviously, we know about hurricanes here in this town. There's no doubt, especially the one that hit last year. And that's what this one, Hurricane Florence, sounds like it's doing is it's getting on shore and then it's sitting and stalling. And that sit and stall is obviously what put Houston in a lot of peril last year with all the rain that just dumped on this town. And same thing, it sounds like, is happening in the city of, or excuse me, the state of North Carolina. The storm itself originally was as big as the state of North Carolina, which I, I just I sort of chuckle because if you don't laugh, you'll cry, and I don't really want to cry, but I know a lot of people in North Carolina, a lot of family members, and it's, uh, it's thought, thoughts go out to them. I mean, from afar, uh, it's just it's really tough, and I know these players are concerned, and I'm concerned, and all my family is concerned. Um, and I know the people in Houston are concerned. When they hear it, they and it, it was it was interesting because last year when we were in New Orleans and Hurricane Harvey was was bearing down on Houston and it, it it was not looking good. It was interesting to be in New Orleans to talk to the people that were there and how they talked to you. And I mean, they seemed to be sort of a sympathetic shoulder that they had they had been there. They they understood what we were going through and, and just the anticipation of something that was gonna be that gruesome because they had been through it many, many years. And obviously in 2005 with Hurricane Katrina. So uh, thoughts with everybody there in North Carolina. Y'all stay safe and, and hopefully everything will will turn back around as it has as we continue to fight to turn it back around here in Houston after Harvey last year. All right, let's get back to some football. And let's do our Deep Slant interview of the week. This week, it's Aaron Colvin with Deep City. Joining me today, Aaron Colvin, cornerback for the Houston Texans in his first season here with the team. Welcome, Aaron. I appreciate it. It feels good to be here. I want to talk about your off season because it was a, quite a busy one. Not only did you uh, join a new team, but you got married this I off got season. Kind of yeah. crazy, right? Yeah, life is kind of. It was in a whirlwind at, at one point of time, but it's been good. It's been an easy transition. Has there been a tough part about moving to a new city or a new team? Is it getting around the city? Is it getting to know your teammates? Is it any of those things, or are you just sort of prepared for it when the time came? Um, it was all all of the above. Um, there really wasn't just one thing that was that was tough. It was kind of just a combination of things, just being in a new city, um, new environment, new teammates, everything was just different for me. So um, there was j- definitely an adjusting phase to it. I know a lot of people have talked about what their factors are when they come to Houston. You probably have too, but how much was this pass rush an, a factor for you coming here? Or was it just 
the team as a whole? Like, what sort of things did you look at when evaluating which team you were going to go to? It was really as a whole. Um, I don't think that the pass rush can can cover everything. So at some point in time, you need the secondary to be able to cover. Um, you need your middle linebackers to drop in their hooks and um, be in the right spots, and then you need the D-line. But, I mean, when you have guys like we have, it's definitely nice and it definitely looks good on paper. So um, it didn't hurt anything. I was doing a little digging in your background, and at Oklahoma, you started off as a safety, and then you moved to corner. Now, we've had guys here do the opposite. They go from corner to safety, but not really having guys go the other way around. I would imagine that's a tougher transition to make. Yeah, um, it, it was different. So when I first got there, I was at corner my first year, and then my second Oh, you year, were? Okay. Yeah, then I, I moved to safety, and then I went back to corner. So I kind of seen all of it um, during one career at, at OU, but... Um, I would say that going from safety to corner is harder just because of the uh, like some of the gymnastics you got to go through as far as covering a receiver. Gymnastics? And, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. It, and that's what it feels like. And um, at some point, you just got to say, screw it. I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to lock up this receiver. And um, that's kind of how you get through that. I would imagine it helps in your game to, to have played both positions, though, being in the secondary. You understand what yeah. both, both sides are supposed to do. No question. As a safety um, you have to be able to see the whole field, and you have to make a lot of checks and um, make a lot of reads. And at corner, you just have to uh, man-on-man and make sure your guy doesn't catch the ball. So um, there's definitely a big difference, even from the slot to outside. Everything's just different. So um, you have to be able to just adjust. That's what the NFL is. You have to be able to adjust. You seem like you work really hard. Um, your work <laughs> ethic, where where do you think you get that from? Um, I don't know. Um I mean, I definitely could credit my family, my my mother and my father, for just instilling that in me. They worked hard their whole life. That's all I've ever really seen. But um, I've just always felt like I had something to prove to myself. Um, At times, I just felt like I didn't get the – and it's not even recognition. I just felt like I didn't get the credit I deserved. And that's just me from being a little kid. So it kind of just carried over to where I'm at right now. I heard your dad used to take him. your dad owns a – owned a sheet metal company? Is that oh, right? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he used to take you in there and make you work? Uh, I never really worked. He used to bring or help me out? Yeah, he just wanted me to see it. He never really wanted me to do what he did. He didn't want me to have to, um, as he would say, struggle. So um, I used to just always see it. And him and my mother did a great job of never, um, you know, making me work, but they always kept me around it. So um, at a young age, me and my brother and my sister kind of just seen the blue-collar work. And you decided that you wanted to pursue football. That was not That was not really the life that you were wanting to have. I don't even think I decided that. I think that that was just destiny. Um, I, since I was a little kid, I just felt like this was my vision and this is where I was supposed to be. And fortunately, um, I got that opportunity and I felt like I made the most of it. I want to talk to you about 2014 when you were entering the draft, uh, the Senior Bowl. You tore your ACL in practice and then you had a, a setback really heading into the draft. Was that probably the toughest thing that you had to go through as a player? Was yeah. working your way back from that after everything you do to to get to the point where you're getting ready for the draft and getting ready to come into the NFL and then to have an injury like that so close to it? Definitely on the football field. Um, I mean, going first round was a dream of mine. It was something that I really wanted to accomplish, and I wanted to walk in the green, the green room and to see my mom crying and see my family just happy for me. But it didn't happen, and um, it was God's plan. So I'm fully okay with that now, but at the time, uh, it was really difficult just not being able to go out there and compete uh, during the draft process. You don't really know where, where guys see you at. 
So it's a lot of guessing, and then I couldn't go out there and prove myself. I couldn't go out there and run a 40. I couldn't show them how good my footwork was. So it was kind of just a, a leap of faith that I had to take. And um, fortunately, I got drafted, and I still got that opportunity. So it, it all worked out at the end of the day. I was just going to say it all worked out. You, sp- you had four seasons with the Jags, and then here you are with the Texans. And you're staying in the same division. So Sunday, the Titans, the first AFC South matchup of, of 2018, you get to face a team that you've got quite a bit of familiarity with. Right. I've seen these guys for four years now, so there's really nothing new. These guys are still um, the same in a lot of aspects, a lot of the same players. So uh, we know that they have coaching uh, coaching staff change, but a lot of their philosophies and the way that they play are still the same. And Mariota is still the same. Still the same, Marcus Mariota. Did, did, were you born in Nashville? I was. Okay, I so was. do you have a lot of family that are still there that are going to be out at the game, or did you move to Oklahoma pretty soon after that? No, I do. Uh, I moved out of. I moved to Oklahoma when I was about ten years old, nine to ten years old, and um, all of my family's still there from my mom's side. So um, still in uh, Oklahoma or Nashville? In Nashville. In Nashville. Yes. Yep. So they're going to come out and see. You got a big cheering section in Nashville. Yeah, that's a big game for me. That's that's the hometown game for me. It feels like. All right, we'll be cheering you on as well. Thanks so much, Aaron Colvin. Appreciate you. I remember my first Senior Bowl that I went to was in 2014. That was Jimmy Garoppolo at that Senior Bowl. It was also <laughs> AD 99, Aaron Donald put on an absolute show at that Senior Bowl. But I remember the very first day, and back in 2014, the very first practice of the day they would hold at Fairhope High School. They don't do it anymore because they've switched the schedule around, but they had a practice at Fairhope High School. And Aaron Colvin was on the South Squad, and he was locking dudes up. He looked good. I remember writing down my notes, man, Colvin looks outstanding. Looked over a little while later, and he's on the bench. He got hurt. I'm like, oh, no, and he hurt his knee. And that's, in large part, what made him a fourth-rounder, unfortunately, because he had ended up getting hurt at the Senior Bowl and has carved out a really nice career for himself, bouncing back from the injury and then taking money to come here to Houston and being a vital, vital piece of the Texans' secondary going forward. Speaking of the secondary, a guy that burned the Patriots' secondary last week was Bruce Ellington. He stepped into the dojo of one Drew Doherty. So let's get to know... Bruce Ellington with Drew Doherty. It's time to get to know Bruce Ellington. It's brought to you by IW Marks. Let's start with The Rock. I loved that celebration, that touchdown celebration last year at New England. Yeah. Where would you come up with that? Man, uh, QP, actually the guy I played with uh, at the Niners, he was talking about it. And um, during the, before the game, it just came up. And I told D4, I'm like, man, if I get in the end zone, man, I'm going to do the people's elbow. I'm going to do The Rock. And I told him, when you come, you got to come and count one, two, three, and say it's over. So it came up right before the game. That's a good teammate coming in and doing that. Yeah, yeah. Talking about Deshaun Watson, D4. Uh, okay, so let's say you're a wrestler. Who, uh, Which teammate is going to be your tag team partner if you oh, have to do a tag man. team? Oh, man, Clowny. Clowny? <laughs> of course. How come? <laughs> Look how big and strong he is. <laughs> it won't take long. I let him do the work, and I go in and pin. <laughs> I, I like it. And you're South Carolina, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So yes, sir. Uh, what, would y'all's connection, or what would y'all's name be? That's tough. The Palmetto Pounders, uh, South Carolina crew. South Carolina boys. South Carolina boys? Yeah. I like it. Would you have a manager? No, nah, it's just going to be us two. Just us two? Yeah. You wouldn't have, you want to have a manager that would, like, throw chalk dust in the opponent's <laughs> eyes and not look at, like Mr. Fuji? Yeah. Right I like nah, it. Nah, just us two. Think yeah. about it. I could be your manager if you want. You know, I, just, I'll think about it. I'll, I'll get a, I'll put it in thoughts. Pockets full of chalk dust, like, for the eyes. That's me. I'll get some uh, onions and... Yeah, yeah, onions are good. Like, rub it on it. it. Totally. Let's do it. (laughs) We'll uh, we'll, we'll get with the WWE in a little bit. One song for the rest of your life that you can listen to. Oh, man. One song? Only song you can listen to. What is it? One song. Wow. 
That's hard. If you give me one artist, it'd be Lil Wayne. I don't have one song, but Lil Wayne's my favorite artist. Okay. You got like like six or seven favorite? Many of them. He just got so many of them. The guy's prolific. I mean, he just, everything. He just keeps going. Yeah. I don't know when he's going to stop, but I'm glad he keeps going because it gets me good for the game, gets me ready for the game. Lil Wayne's a huge sports fan. Yeah. Huge sports fan. He is. is. He's always watching. And I'm a huge fan of his. That's good. Have you ever met him? I haven't. I've been around him a couple times, but I never got a chance to meet him, but. If what I do, what do you mean you're around him? You think it's you know the area he was in is just, just so much here. Yeah. But well, Lil do, Wayne, if you're watching, Bruce, hey, you guys, huge fan, man. You guys would be yeah, you guys would yeah. be good good buddies. And Allen Iverson, and Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson, it's a good one. Would Iverson be or would it be uh, Lil Wayne? If you have one celebrity best friend, who's it going to be? Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Okay. Yeah. But Iverson is a close second. Yeah, he's okay. very close. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. I got only the strong survive right here on one. That's a good one. Yeah. You know, so you're a big, big, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. You know uh, Allen Iverson was a hell of a football player. I know, I know. He said his first, with me, my first love was basketball. Yeah. With him, his first love was football. He played the NBA, I played the NFL. So yeah. It's similar a little bit. You are. And, we, and we're not the biggest guys. Right. But we got this right. You're big enough, though. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, yeah. don't, you don't make it in the NFL if you're small. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got a lot of heart, so. And this guy played college basketball for a few yeah. years, too. So, you got a little bit of Bruce! Fantastic work, my friend. Appreciate Good to see you, it always. You too, man. Thank you. All right, All right fellas. Thank you. There's little question. That is one of the most fun guys on this entire roster. Number 12, Bruce Ellington. All right, let's go behind the mics with our next segment. It's called The Men Behind the Mics. Sometimes we do it on Wednesday. Sometimes we do it on Friday. You know, when it comes to play-by-play, guys, uh, they can be – what's the right word I'm looking for here? Uh, they can be a little finicky. They like to do things in a particular way. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Play-by-play guys are great. I actually love them. We love Mark Vandermeer here. We're big fans of Mike Keith, of course, when the Texans are not playing the Titans. And those two sat down to talk about the Titans and the Texans in Week 2. We'll have that for you next right here on Texans All Access. We are less than 48 hours away from a Titanic matchup with Tennessee and Nashville. That's right. Tennessee Titans v. Houston Texans Sunday. Kickoff is at noon. We'll have that for you right here on our flagship Sports Radio 610. Your call with Mark Vandermeer, Andre Ware, and myself, your host this evening, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. Looking forward to getting up to Nashville and getting this one rolling. Not really sure what we're going to get weather-wise up there, but... So be it. Play the games. Get a Got to get a road win. It's been a long time since a road win. It's been a long time, even longer time, since a Sunday road win, dating all the way back to the 2016 season. I just, we just need a win. Got to have a win. This team hasn't felt good about itself since November 19th of 2017 from that standpoint. They've played hard in games. They've been close in games. There have been some close ones, and there really have been some tough ones. Over that stretch as well, I think of that Jacksonville one and then the Pittsburgh one. Those were tough ones. Those were tough ones to survive at that point of the season when seemingly all was lost. But 2018, a new season. 
took one on the chin last week, 27-20, to 20, but so did the Tennessee Titans. Speaking of the Titans, it's time for our Men Behind the Mics segment. Mark Vandermeer each and every week sits down with the play-by-play voice on the other side. This week, it's his longtime Titans counterpart, Mike Keith. Mike, how's it going? It's very good to be with you, Mark. I'm glad it is Titans-Texans week. Me too. This is really important for both teams. Divisional game. We know the story. Now, tell me about Sunday a little bit as a team and as a broadcaster as well, because that had to be really weird, almost bizarre to have two significant weather delays. It really was for the obvious reasons that uh, the game took longer to complete than the two Monday night games combined. From the start of the Monday night game, the first one to the end of the second one was faster than what the Titans and the Dolphins played on Sunday. So that was strange. The other part, too, that was very odd is during the first delay, the majority of time in stadium, we had bright sunshine. So you were, and the crowd was very confused as well as to why are we doing this. Turns out there was actually a lightning strike within a mile of the stadium. So I think the officials did absolutely the right thing. But as you know, having been through things like that in a variety of sports, uh, sometimes it's it's not easy to explain to everybody what's happening. And you don't know the full story until everything's over. Uh, For us, for everything to be over took forever. Yeah, it seemed like it because we were following along from afar. It certainly seemed like the situation. To lose a game like that, a day like that, that had to be tough on the team. And also in the course of the action, you lost Delaney Walker for the season. We think it may be the most significant non-quarterback loss that we've had in terms of an injury at any point since we've been here for what he meant to this overall ball club. You know, as a pass catcher, as a blocker, You know, many people think maybe the best overall tight end in football, even at age 34, certainly a reliable guy in the locker room, uh, one of the team captains, uh, one of the players that is really a big help to the young guys on this football team, regardless of position. It's a major blow, and, and we can't replace him. There's just no way. So this team will fundamentally have to shift uh, what they do in a lot of different ways as it will take multiple players to replace Delaney Walker's influence on and off the field. Mike Keith, voice of the Titans with us. Mike, what about the running game? We see Deion Lewis getting more yards than Derrick Henry. How do you think that shakes out as the season progresses here? You know, it's funny. If Walker is not called for a questionable hold, then Henry has a 62-yard touchdown run, and the Titans end up with two backs who have 88 and 75 yards, and then everybody says, oh, we see exactly how it's going to work. I think in that scenario, that's what they hope to be. I I think they hope to be that kind of balanced. Some games it will probably swing Lewis's way, particularly if the Titans are behind. If the Titans are in front, you're going to try to go to to Derrick Henry to run out the clock. Uh, because he's 247 pounds. So I, I think it will vary game to game. The hope would be that there'll be 1A and 1B because they are different backs, but due to the fact that Lewis can run inside, which is unusual for a back his size, they can run the same plays with both back. Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, joining us on Texans Radio. Okay, Marcus Mariota has the elbow injury in the game, but he practiced as the week got going. What are you seeing from him throughout the preseason, and what do you expect here in 2018? 
he's really looked good in this offense, and he looked good in the offense on Sunday until he fell on the elbow and or you know hurt himself in that way and couldn't grip the ball properly. The two interceptions came after that, but I think he's very comfortable in what they're doing. I think Matt LaFleur has a very good plan. I think teams that are facing the Titans early are probably in better position than teams that will face the Titans late because I think this offense still has a lot of growing up to do, and I think Marcus has some growing to do in the offense. But a lot of what they they do in this offense really agrees with him, and he really runs with a lot of confidence. You've seen quarterbacks. I've seen quarterbacks over the years. If, if they don't have a great belief in what they're doing, they just it, – it shows. You can see it. You can see it in their body language. He likes what they're doing. He's enjoying it. And in the preseason, what we saw for, from him is he executed it faster. He was much more decisive. So I think you're going to continue to see that out of him as we go forward. But it's going to be a growth process for this offense. You ask about the run game and the running backs and, and now losing Delaney Walker. This offense is going to have to grow, and they're probably going to have to survive that growth for a while. Now, what about the pass catchers here now that Walker is out because you have Matthews and Corey Davis. Deion Lewis can catch the ball well out of the backfield. You still have some weapons there for sure. You do, uh, and you got Johnny Smith at the tight end position. Luke Stocker caught two for 37 at Miami. Uh, the, the guys out of the backfield, Henry is a good pass catcher as well, although he doesn't catch a lot of passes. He certainly has that ability. And then, and then the wide receivers, I think Corey Davis is coming into his own. Uh, Matthews is starting to get healthy after missing four months. He's only been back practicing for three weeks now, but he's starting to get there. Tajay Sharp missed all of last year. He's starting to round back into form. I, I mean, you can hear the theme here. You know, you you really can, Mark. It's 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 a lot of pieces having to be fit into places and kind of get used to roles because this team just hasn't had that much stability offensively, either due to all the changes or or the injuries or guys coming back from injury. Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, joining us on Texans Radio. Okay, what are you seeing out of this defense now that Dean Pease is running the show on that side of the football? Really excited about the defense from the standpoint that everybody of note returned, and then they added Malcolm Butler, they drafted Rashawn Evans, they drafted Harold Landry. Really felt good about the depth. Felt like there were five corners that could play. Uh, Jonathan Cyprian was really playing good football at the end of the year. And then Cyprian's lost for the year. Cornerback Ty Smith is lost for the year. Um, they're in a position, too, where Evans gets hurt the, the third day of practice in July. Uh, Landry gets hurt very late in the preseason. So, And then Derek Morgan uh, has to have a procedure on on a on a problem that he has. So all of a sudden, all this depth that you had is not there. And the Titans are having to kind of fight through some of that. But at the same time, they're veteran. I think they execute Pease's system very well. And the big part that's different from the offense is what Dean Pease is doing, Mark, is not vastly different than what Dick LeBeau was doing. So there are wrinkles that you have to learn. But all of the pieces are back in a more consistent way, and they're kind of just building on what they did in the past. So I think this has a chance to be a really good defense, and they did some very good things in Miami. They, uh, the Dolphins were just 2 of 10 on third downs. 
yet they gave up a 75-yard touchdown pass, which is obviously not good. The Dolphins only drove the football one time for a touchdown. And I think that's going to be a story of this defense throughout 2018 is it's going to be hard to drive the football against this defense. Mike Vrabel as a head coach, we've seen him here, of course, linebackers coach, then defensive coordinator. What's he like as a head coach? What's it like to be around him in that environment? It's been good. I've been very surprised with his ability to be the overall head coach. He is not slanted completely toward the defense. You know, he's not calling his own defense. He does tend to wander that way during practice occasionally, particularly where the pass rushers are. But he has a big overview of of the offense, uh, runs a lot of things in terms of special teams, has has a lot of involvement in a lot of different areas. He's been much more organized than most first-time coaches that I've ever been around. Uh, The guys really understand what he wants. He's assembled a good staff. I think he's made for this. And, I I mean, I don't think you're going to judge it off a preseason or one game, but I I think over the long term people are going to see him and and realize he was a pretty good choice for the Tennessee Titans. He's very natural as the front guy. Was it strange to go through that? You go through a postseason in which you win a playoff game in dramatic fashion, and then you have the coaching change. That whole transition, what was that like, Mike? Different. You know, it was, I guess, the first time – if I'm not mistaken, since the San Francisco 49ers did it, that you let a coach go uh, with a, you know, after winning a playoff game. It doesn't happen much in the NFL. It was not as unexpected internally because there was a discussion about the philosophy in particular of the offense, and the offense had taken such a step backward last year. And I think there was just a disagreement over what you were going to do. And so as they went through and and hired the new coach, the offense and moving the offense forward was a big part of it. And they ended up hiring as the offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, who was a, was a candidate for one of the three guys interviewed to be head coach. So I think they, they felt like they got two of their choices. They've got what they feel like is a very natural head coach in Mike Vrabel and a guy who many people think will be a head coach in short order, and that's Matt LaFleur. Mike, what's the vibe on the Houston Texans as the Titans head into this game? What are you thinking? I think everybody takes it totally seriously, you know, from the standpoint of what the preseason projections are of the Texans based on what we saw in the game down there uh, last October 1st where the Texans put up 57 on the Titans. And that's that's all that needs to be said. What happened with the Texans last year, what happened with the Texans last week, it doesn't make any difference. People know that that Texans team, the one from October 1st, is the same one quarterbacked by Deshaun Watson. And the Houston Texans scored 57 points in that game. They won an NFL game 57-14. to 14. So to say that the Texans have the Titans' total attention and respect would be an understatement. Outstanding stuff, Mike. Thanks a lot for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you having me on. I'm a big fan of Mike. There's no doubt. I I really like Mike Keith a lot. I, I like the I love the play by play man in this in this division. Don't know what's going to happen up with Indianapolis as Bob Lamy was retired, forced to step away. Whatever you want to look at it. But Matt Taylor's a guy I know and have gotten to know over the years of covering the Texans. 
So uh, he's fantastic. I've known Frank Frangi now in Jacksonville for a while. I've gotten to know Mike Keith and doing all the games that we have. So I think it's a I think it's a really good division for a play by play man. And glad that Mike spends a few minutes. To that end, he is. If you think that Mark and I are homers for the Texans, oh my goodness, Mike Keith is a big time homer. But that's okay. That's quite okay. That's the team you call games with. That's the team you live and die with. That's the team you travel with each and every Sunday. It's the team you roll with. That's fine. Be a homer. I got no problems with that. Mike is definitely one, but that's cool. All right, coming up next, we've got 16 games this week, minus one on Thursday. That makes 15. I will pick all of them straight up against the spread next right here in Texas All Access. Let's get this second hour going of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans radio studio on this wet Friday evening. No matter where you are, hopefully the rain has stopped wherever you are. And you can, well, get a few hours with the family, hang out, watch a movie, listen to Texans All Access, whatever you want to do. We got you covered right here on the show. I am glad to be with you and be your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. You've missed plenty in the first hour. We did our Men Behind the Mic segment with Mike Keith play-by-play voice of the Tennessee Titans. We had Aaron Colvin on the show in our Deep Slant interview. We also got to know Bruce Ellington as well. We heard from Coach O'Brien in the first segment as he talked about the keys to victory. And I will give you my keys to the game, my keys to the game, in just a little bit. But we've got to start off the second hour as we do each and every week. There are 15 games in the league, 14 on Sunday, one on Monday, and I pick all of them against the spread, and straight up. Now, if you go, wait a second, that's gambling. NFL. I do this as just kind of a – it's just a fun way of talking about the NFL. We could go around the NFL and talk about some of the stories that are happening, but I like to do it in the context of the games that we're going to see. So let's do it. Let's go around the NFL. Let's make these picks, and let's do it with my music. There it is. Okay. That's a signal to get ready. Now, let's start in New Orleans. The Saints are a a 9.5-point favorite. That is one week after giving up 48 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who are they playing? The Cleveland Browns. It seems like a big number. I feel like I'm getting baited into taking the Browns on this. They could not capitalize on the turnovers. The defense... Did exactly what Greg Williams' defenses do. They turned over Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, I believe, five times. I think it was five times. They were outstanding, defense was. Offense could not 
capitalize. Had a field goal opportunity at the end, couldn't knock it home. Cleveland walks away with a tie. As Lou Holtz used to say, a tie is like kissing your sister. I don't know if that was kind of like what it was with Pittsburgh, but either way, they did not lose. But now they're going to New Orleans. I think New Orleans is going to win this by 10 or more. I think New Orleans gets back on the hump. I think the defense writes itself against the Browns. I think the Browns offensively are going to struggle a little bit. Offensive line is not really where it needs to be. They're starting an undrafted freeze and rookie left tackle Desmond Harrison. Although, I thought, even though PFF didn't love him, I thought he acquitted himself pretty well in that game against the Steelers. Yeah, he gave up some stuff. Very similar to Martinez Rankin and Julian Davenport. They gave up some stuff, but overall, thought played pretty well. Cleveland will play better offensively as the year goes on. It will not happen in New Orleans where the Saints have got to get back on the horse. New Orleans gets this one, and they cover that nine and a half. Speaking of Pittsburgh, the team that tied Cleveland last week, Pittsburgh gets a visit from Kansas City. The Chiefs dominated the Chargers. Yet, Pittsburgh is a four and a half point favorite at home. I don't like this at all for Pittsburgh. Really don't. I could see Pittsburgh winning. But I got a feeling if Pittsburgh wins, it's a one, two, or three point win, which is less than four and a half. So I'm going to take Kansas City to cover the number, to get inside that four and a half. Even if Pittsburgh wins, I just don't feel good about Pittsburgh at all. At all. But Kansas City goes on the road twice. That's tough. So I'm giving Pittsburgh the W, but I think Kansas City is going to play this one tight. Tight, 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 as Tuco once said. Tight, tight, tight. Kansas City gets the cover. Pittsburgh gets the win. AFC East battle. And who would have thought that these teams would both be 1-0 after week one? The Dolphins travel to the Meadowlands. MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Jets. And how excited are Jets fans about Sam Darnold? Sam the Savior, they call him. And he was good against the Lions. But that defense ratcheted up. The special teams made plays. They did a little bit of everything. It was was truly complimentary football on Monday night as the Jets destroyed the Detroit Lions on the road on a Monday night. I think Miami goes in there and gets inside the three and a half. The Jets haven't been favored in how long? The Jets are favored by three and a half. I think Miami can get inside that three and a half, but the Jets will eventually win this game. This has the feel of 17-16. The Dolphins will play a little bit better defensively. The Jets are very good, I think, defensively. I think the Dolphins get inside the number, but the Jets win 21-19, So give the Jets the W. But Miami the cover in this one. Then the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, i got to say that out loud just so that I remember to do it, take on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Josh Allen, the rookie, selected by Buffalo in the first round in 2018, will get his first start against the L.A. Chargers. Now, I seem to remember last year when a Bills rookie quarterback got his first start against the L.A. Chargers. Five interceptions in the first half later, Nathan Peterman got pulled for Terod Taylor. Josh Allen could very easily throw five interceptions in the first half. The Chargers, I say only, considering that Buffalo got beat 47-3 to last weekend, 
Buffalo is only a seven and a half point dog. So the Chargers are favored by seven and a half. You could put that number at 14. I don't think it's enough. Chargers to win and cover. Yes, they got to go to Buffalo. Yes, it's a body clock game. They're going to play at 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, at 9 o'clock their time as they play a noon Eastern game. Is that right? No, 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 no. 10. 10, 11, 12, 1. 10 o'clock East. 10 o'clock body clock game. But either way, it throws them off. No question. Going to Buffalo, I still think the Chargers will make amends, go to 1-1 one one on the year, and hammer Buffalo. They'll win that by three touchdowns. I know that sounds bold, but yeah, three touchdowns. I feel good about that. Indianapolis, own one on the year. First road game. Indianapolis lost last week to Cincinnati up there in Lucas Oil. The Washington Redskins looked very good. I They throttled the Cardinals. No Darius Geis, but Adrian Peterson performed well for them. Alex Smith did his thing, but the defense, oh my goodness, the defense. Now, the Cardinals offensively, other than David Johnson and and Larry Fitzgerald, I don't know what scares you, especially Sam Bradford. Now the Colts go to the nation's capital to take on Washington. The Redskins are favored by five and a half. I think they will do seven or more. So give Washington the win and the cover over the Colts. The Texans go to Tennessee. This one has moved. My line that I, I, I looked at on Friday had Tennessee. This one says Tennessee favored by a half point. Basically pick them. Now, with the news about Mariota, with the news about Conklin and Luan, the Texans are now favored by about two or three. So that's just for you enterprising sorts. I still would take the Texans either way. And a pick them, yes. So I'm going to go. Uh, you know, I'm, it wouldn't matter. Tennessee were favored by 28. I couldn't pick against the Texans. You know that. Next one, let's go down to Tampa Bay with a huge win. Fitzmagic was all over the place. Fitzmagic down in New Orleans, we should have known. I mean, in a place where voodoo can happen in New Orleans, Fitzmagic worked his voodoo against the New Orleans Saints and lit them up. 48 points. Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Howard at tight end. I mean, they went crazy. Can they do it again against the defending champs? I don't think they can. But they're going down to the heat and humidity of Tampa. And Philadelphia I wasn't totally impressed with on Thursday night against the Falcons. That was a game the Falcons, if they did anything in the red zone, easily win that game. Easily win that game. But did not. I think Philadelphia plays better. But Tampa with Fitzy? I don't think Tampa Bay wins this game. Philly's favored by three and a half. But I do feel like... Fitzy's keeping it close. This feels like three or under. So I'm taking Philly to win, Tampa Bay to get the cover with a three, as a three-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Wow. Minnesota, fresh off a win against Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo lost. Wow, imagine that. Uh, Minnesota 1-0. Going to Green Bay, the Packers are 1-0. But it was bleak. Aaron Rodgers had gone out of the game. They were down 20 to nothing. Rodgers comes back after the half. Leads into a 24-23 scintillating win. One you'll remember forever if you're a Packers fan or just watching Sunday Night Football last week. Rodgers, outstanding. This essentially is a pick in Green Bay. At that point, I'm going Vikings. I'm going Vikings to get the cover and the Vikings to get the outright win. I think the Vikings overall, top to bottom, more talent. I think they can harass Rodgers. I don't know if that produces turnovers. But that's really the only way you're going to do it. I don't know the Packers defensively yet 
yet. I think under Mike Pettin, they're gonna get real. They're gonna be good. They're gonna be good. I don't think they're quite there yet. I don't think Minnesota's great offensively though. So I think it's a close game. But I think Minnesota's gonna get the win in Green Bay at Lambeau. Give Minnesota two zero. Green Bay falls to one and one after that one. So Minnesota with the win and the cover in Lambeau. Carolina goes to Atlanta. Always a tough place to play for Carolina. Even in good years, when Cam is rolling, they go to Atlanta, they could struggle. Atlanta is favored by five and a half. Now, Atlanta lost Deion Jones. That would be the equivalent of the Texans losing Zach Cunningham. That's a pretty big blow for Atlanta. I don't know if that is entirely the difference, but Carolina defensively will be good. Offensively, who knows? I think Atlanta, knowing it needs to win, bouncing back after that Thursday night loss, they had essentially the mini-bye. So they've had more time to prepare. I'm going to go with Atlanta in this one. I don't think it's a huge blowout, but I do think it's somewhere from 6-10. to 10. And Atlanta gets the win, so they're going to get the cover of that 5.5. Detroit goes to San Francisco. Both teams 0-1. I'm not saying that San Francisco felt great about what it did in Minnesota, but it sure felt a whole heck of a lot better than Matt Patricia and the Lions felt after Monday night. Now, after Monday night, Detroit's got to travel out to San Francisco. Forget it. We can talk about keys to the game and all that for this one. That, to me, is the most salient point. They got a team right now in disarray after that loss. I mean, it was brutal. Don't know if they want to believe in Patricia and all that kind of nonsense. And they got to go on the road on a short week out to San Francisco. Forget it. San Francisco is favored by five and a half. They will cover that. I think cover it pretty easily. I do think Detroit will fight early. I think they'll run out of gas in the second half and Jimmy G gets it done. The Cardinals. The 0-1 Cardinals go to L.A. to take on the Rams. The Rams are favored by 12 and a half, and that's nowhere close to what this could actually be. Yes, the Rams played on Monday night, but it was just up up the coast, up to Oakland, short flight, came on back, destroyed the Raiders, and got that win. I do think the Rams are just a just a titch, just a little small tinge of overratedness with them, but Arizona's not very good. And I think the Rams will win that by two touchdowns, so I'm giving the Rams the victory and the cover. Speaking of the Raiders, the Raiders go to Denver. Denver, three case keen of turnovers, yet still beat the Seahawks in Denver last week. So Denver gets a second home game. They're favored by five and a half. Now you would think with everything going on at Oakland, trust me, I don't think Oakland is all that good. I really don't. But I feel like after that, not debacle, but it was not it was not great. Derek Carr in the second half looked miserable. I think Oakland can rebound this week. But I don't think Oakland wins it. They've lost Khalil Mack. They've lost too many big-time players over the last couple of years. And they've lost Derek Carr's mojo from 2016, seemingly, before he got hurt. And that, I think, is the biggest problem. But Oakland's going to go to Denver and battle. And I think not. Well, they, they won't get the win. But they'll get inside that five-and-a-half number, give Denver the win, give Oakland the cover. The game of the weekend is in Jacksonville. Who would have thought that a couple of years ago? The defending AFC champs, New England Patriots, 1-0, beat the Texans, obviously, take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Patriots are favored by one-and-a-half. Now, I made this pick with the hopes that it 
does happen, that Jacksonville will will not only cover the one and a half, they'll win outright. But Leonard Fournette has been banged up. He was not at practice yesterday. Limited at practice today, I believe, if that does the last report I saw. If Fournette is out, I, it's going to be tough for Jacksonville. But it is going to be packed. It is going to be true Duval County in that stadium. They are going to create all kinds of hell for New England. It's going to be a rough place for them to play. But, but, I think New England will just do what they did to the Texans and dink and dunk and dink and dunk and gronk and dink and dunk and gronk. They'll use Hogan a little bit more this week. But I'm going to give Jacksonville the win in the cover just because I want it to go the other way. I want to be wrong about this one. I want to be wrong. On Sunday night, see a little bit of this hopefully on the plane on the way home. The Giants go to Dallas. Both teams 0-1. The talk in Dallas, they're not happy with Dak Prescott of the passing game. But Dallas is favored by two and a half. I feel like the Giants having to make two trips back-to-back to Texas. How about that? They come to Dallas, go back home. I believe they're going home, and then coming back to Houston the following week. I think that's tough for the Giants. They had an opportunity to win that game against Jacksonville last week. Didn't pull it off. I think Saquon Barkley plays well, but I'm going to give Dallas the W. Well, that's another one where I don't want it to happen. I sort of want the Giants to win. Coming here a little bit fat and happy, if you will. They come in 0-2. They come in desperate. That's a little scary. They come in 1-1. Maybe I should flip that. Let's go Giants to win that one outright and get to cover. They're a dog by 2.5. I don't think the Giants are that good either, but we'll roll with it. Monday night, Seattle goes to Chicago. This feels like a bounce-back game for Seattle. The Bears let one go. I think the Bears very easily could have the Packers beat them twice. Chicago's three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Seattle bounces back on Monday night. I think Trubisky struggles. I think Seattle gets an upset win and obviously a cover. So there you go. All right, we get back. I'll give you my first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game. Offense, defense, special teams next right here on Texans All Access. It's time to start diving into this matchup with the Tennessee Titans. Not quite X's and O's, but my keys to the game. This week's first glance, keys to the game, brought to you by First Community Credit Union. First Community Credit Union, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. Welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is John Harris, football analyst and 
Sideline reporter for your Houston Texans, and this is keys to the game. I mean, look, everybody does keys to the game, but it's something I've been doing for a very, very long time. I did a series for college football news for a long time, picking games, and then doing three different keys to the game, and I've just carried that forward with me at some point, and I treat each game as much as I possibly can as I would a as I would if I were coaching that game, try and watch, watch the the game tape from the week before. And, of course, the good thing about game tape is the fact that you don't see the delays in the Tennessee game. It just runs right on through. So it's kind of nice. So there's only one game to really look at with Tennessee. So going back and looking at what they did against Miami, obviously knowing what the Texans did, and watched both the condensed copy a couple times, watched the All-22, and get a feel for where this team is after week one. Actually, we're both teams are week one so let's go to the offensive side of the ball and go through the Houston Texans keys to the game on the offensive side of the ball now number one first and foremost and this will be for the defense too but just keeping everybody healthy I think it's pretty clear when you look at both teams and you consider last year's injury situation for the Texans and you start to consider the situation for the Tennessee Titans already out of this one for the Titans Jonathan Cyprian, safety. Kendrick Lewis, safety. Now, Cyprian was back in training camp, but you get the point. Cyprian, last year's starter. Kendrick Lewis came over this year with Mike Vrabel. Both starting tackles, Taylor Luan and Jack Conklin, both out of this one. Backup tackle, Dennis Kelly, could potentially be out of this one. Brother of Tim Kelly, tight ends coach for your Texans. So health, we'll just put that one up there. Keep everybody healthy as much as possible. And the Texans, the reason I bring that up, which leads me to my next key. Last week, they lost Sean Trell Henderson. And in watching Big Trell, the, the, the few snaps he was in the game, there were some things that he was going to be able to provide in the run game that you're not going to get from either Julian or Martinez only because Big Trell is Big Trell. He's 6'7", 6'8", 345. You're not going to get that from Martinez and Julian. Those guys are... You know, Julio's 315, 320 tops. And Martinez, when you see Martinez walking around, you're like, mm, defensive end maybe? You don't think he's a he's an offensive tackle. He's 305 pounds plus. So my, I hope that Martinez can keep the weight on this year. That said, those two guys at tackle, I can guarantee you that if Derek Morgan plays, Brian Arakbo plays. Now, Arakbo can do a lot of different things. He's a lot like, to me, Whitney Merciless. He can present a lot of different issues because of his strength, his ability to transition from speed to power, his toolkit for getting to the quarterback. But I can guarantee you after the New England Patriots game, the one thing that Arakbo and Morgan definitely will want to do is bull rush those two. They have got to anchor against the bull rush. They're going to see it, especially Julian. Martinez held up against the bull rush, I, I feel like, a little bit better. Now, now Martinez did have a couple of hiccups, one in particular where Dietrich Wise just threw hands and it looked like Martinez didn't even even touch him. But he got better and better throughout the game. I like the look. I think Martinez is going to be fine. But they're going to see bull rushes, especially Julian. And he's going to have to anchor against that. Which leads me to the next key. How do you help them? Do you help them? Do you slide protection one way or the other? Based on personnel, if Harold Landry is in the game, do you want you definitely want to give a chip from a running back? I saw Tyler Irvin chip 
a number of different times when he was in the game. Lamar Miller will come over and help. There's no question. Chip, before he gets in a route, Alfred Blue, the same thing. Those guys are, are, I would say, decent pass protectors. For what they're asked to do, they do, they do a decent job. Now, Tyler's not a great pass protector, but he'll chip. He'll throw his body around. There's no question about that. So how do you help the tackles? Do you help with a little bit more of the interior guys by sliding your protection, or are you just going to use chips, tight ends, out, outside guys to help? How do you do that? But you are going to have to give the tackles a little bit of help. And it may be on a rack because he's probably the most dangerous guy. So expect to give them some help with some chips from running backs, some double teams from the tight ends, and some of those things. And I think that's going to end up helping them a little bit. They're going to have to be on their own on an island at some point. Don't get me wrong. And they handled that in New England for the most part. But they're going to need some help against these guys. They've seen film. And they know that there's some things that these guys are not in one start with Rankin, not even a start. This will be his first start in the NFL on Sunday. But his first game action for Rankin and only the third start or fourth start for Julian on the other side. So you start to see it in that, in that film what they want to do. And I can imagine Rackpo is seeing I can, I can bull rush these guys. He's going, to try, he's going to try that up front. He's going to try that up front. So those two are going to have to anchor against that, no doubt. The biggest thing offensively to me, though, is just letting it all letting it all hang out. This is not a do or die must win situation. As I mentioned earlier in the, in the broadcast, as we talked about it in the first segment, it's not quite do or die must win. But I do think that there's a sense of urgency to get a W in Tennessee because this team hasn't won in so long. They've got to have that feeling again. They've got to get that feeling. And to that end, the sense of urgency creates tightness, and you don't want that. This offense, I feel like, is best served when it's just free-flowing and letting it go. The best drive they had the other day, mix of run and pass and up-tempo, and it was beautiful to watch. Deshaun 3-for-3 on the drive, run game, ran for 37, and took chunks of yards and stuck it in the end zone like they've been doing it all year that way. That's the kind of drive and the kind of team I think they want this to be. Now, add in Will Fuller. Will has had big games against Tennessee. As a rookie in 2016, the big game here. Had a touchdown catch, had the punt return. Last year, here, he had the two touchdown catches. It was his first game back, and man, was he impactful. Huge impact. Now, if my math is correct, he has not played at Tennessee. Maybe that the closing game in 16. I can't remember who all played that day because it was, it was well, you know. That game, that game was, it was a nightmare on a lot of different levels. So I don't remember him playing all that much in that game in 16. Definitely did not play in 2017. So the Titans have not seen him much in Nashville. And I don't know how much they're going to see him on Sunday. But it's going to be enough to scare them, to at least back those safeties up. Bayard and Vaccaro, if it's, if it's worth half a step to just blow and go with Will Fuller within the first few plays of the game, send him deep and launch and just get the safeties to back off just a little bit. It's worth it. 
Bayard's a ball hawk. Vaccaro's a heavy hitter in the middle, although Vaccaro did have an interception last week. They're ball hawks in the middle of the field. You've got to back them off a little bit. You can't let them play within 12 to 15 yards of the line of scrimmage and let them get comfortable. If you blow and go with Will on a deep post route like you did against Seattle, will you hit it or not, you're just sending a, a shot across the bow to get them rolling and get them back. And then you can start doing some stuff underneath. But Will plays a huge role in that. Keeping the young tight ends involved. Jordan Thomas had a big catch the other day. Jordan Akins had a couple of catches. I'd like to see him get more involved in the red zone. That's where you need Jordan Akins in particular to take his game to a different level. But to me, one massive key is Ryan Griffin. They targeted Griff five times. Deshaun loves throwing a ball to Griff. We've seen that. We saw it in New England last year. He likes throwing a ball to Griff. Now, he'll take what the defense gives him, but he likes throwing a ball to Griff. I'm totally fine with that. I think Griff can have a big one. He's going to get Vaccaro, and he can beat Vaccaro in coverage, no doubt. He can beat him in coverage. They're going to have to decide how they want to cover Griff because I think he's going to have a big ball game. Looking forward to seeing what he can do. All right, let's flip it over to the other side. Let's talk about the defense. What are the keys to the game for this Houston Texans defense against the Tennessee Titans? Now, health, obviously. Put that up on a shelf. That's just always going to be there. I'm going to start off with number one, tackling. This is a really good tackling team across the board. I think it's a really good tackling team. But once you start getting into weeks two, three, four, that's when you start to see a little bit of an erosion of tackling and you start seeing some missed tackles. And these two running backs in particular, and Derrick Henry, big, and Deion Lewis, quick, present different tackling issues. Henry's just a massive beast. So tackling him is like, oh my God. And then Deion Lewis can make you miss in space. I'm a little bit more worried about tackling Lewis because that becomes a space game. But tackling is going to be at a premium. I thought Kareem Jackson and Tyron Matthew, Justin Reed, tackled very well at the safety spot. I thought the front and the linebackers tackled pretty well. I thought Kevin struggled. Obviously, we're not going to see Kevin. But out in space, those tackles have got to be made. Got to be made. So we'll start there. Now, the big news of, the t- of today the fact that both starting tackles for Tennessee will not play in this one. Left tackle Taylor Luan out, concussion. Right tackle Jack Conklin out, still coming back, still rehabbing from that knee injury he suffered in the AFC Division playoff round last year. Dennis Kelly, the backup, the third tackle, he's been out the last two days with illness. Now, the initial thought is, oh, you got to attack those tackles. Yes, but more importantly, because they know, they know they got Watt, Clowney, Merciless, and we got these backup tackles, we've got to help them. We've got to help them. Where are the deficiencies now? Because they're going to have to overreact to giving them help. So there are a couple ways they can do that. Number one, short, quick passing game. That's fine. If you know that and they go to that, then start jumping routes. J. Joe, Kareem, Tyrant, start jumping routes, taking some chances, and they'll throw you one. Mariota threw them a few last year. Matt Castle threw one as well. But where are the deficiencies? If they slide protection to help with somebody, they've got to exploit the other side. If they split the protection and maybe a guard is uncovered and he jumps out there, then the guys on the inside have got to win. There's going to be a deficiency because they've got to help those tackles. Find it early and exploit it. But if they go one-on-one with two backup tackles against Clowney Watt and Merciless and they don't eat, then we got trouble. 
And I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think if those backup tackles and they put him in a drop-back situation, those guys are going to have a field day. And they need to. They absolutely have to make Tennessee pay for the void at tackle. Now, even if Kelly does play, coming off illness for two straight days of missing practice, who knows what kind of shape he's going to be in, and that could be trouble for them too. Next key. I don't know how it gets done. I really don't. But somehow, some way, some shape, some form, 51 has to be on the field. A lot. If not every play. Dylan Cole is a special player. And I saw it last year. We all saw it last year. And obviously he came to the forefront in this game because he had a pick six. But one of the reasons that he had a pick six is his intelligence. And obviously take it to the house shows his athletic ability. But the catch, the run, all that, that's his athletic ability. But knowing where to be, playing his technique, the intelligence, knowing what Castle was going to do, Dylan Cole needs to be on the field. If there's anybody that can match up with Deion Lewis in the passing game, it's 51. Somehow, he's got to be on the field. I don't know if you play all three linebackers together, but Dylan Cole needs to be on the field. I am a charter member of the Dylan Cole fan club. I have been for a while. And I'm a big fan of his because when he goes on the field, bleep gets done. Dylan Cole needs to be on the field. Now, there's no Delaney Walker. So that means Jonu Smith is going to get the majority of the tight end opportunities. He's going to be a tough matchup, but he's not quite Delaney Walker. That's some good news. But how do you cover Jonu Smith? What are you going to do with him? You can, I think you can do it with either Kareem Jackson, you can do it with Tyron Matthew, you can do it with Justin Reed. There's a number of ways you can cover John R. Smith. The guy that does worry me a little bit is Corey Davis. Now, Corey didn't have a huge ball game last week against the Dolphins, but he's now back healthy, even though he's on the injury report. He is back relatively healthy, and I think he can be a problem. He's big, fast, strong. I mean, he is everything you want in a wide receiver. And he really clicked for him against the Patriots. So the Texans may have to give help to their corners when Davis is out, out wide. They may have to give some help, sort of like teams do when they face Hopkins. They put somebody on him and then give some bracket coverage or over-the-top coverage somewhere in that range. So they're going to have to, I think, at some point do that with Corey Davis. Taiwan Taylor can be a problem. Short guy, a lot of different things they can do with him. Speed sweeps, jet sweeps, smoke screens, just get him the ball in space, let him work the slot, those kind of things. But those things all go out the window if those tackles force issues up front in protection. You start doing that, you got an opportunity. On the special team side, Adoree Jackson is a very explosive returner. He must be kept in check. Must be kept in check. You can't give him a 25 or 30-yard return that leads to a field goal right off the bat like last year. That can't happen. And on the flip side, Irv's got to keep doing it. In both punt game and return game, or the kickoff return game, Tyler Irvin's got to continue what he did. Every time he touched the ball, he got it beyond a 25-yard line on six returns. The Texans' average starting field position was at the 31.6-yard line. That's a great place to start. Two, three first downs, and you're all of a sudden in Kaimi Fairbairn's field goal range at a minimum. That helps with Tyler Irvin. So there you go. Those are your first community credit union. First glance, keys to the game. Coming up next, 
We're going to close it down with the final word with Drew Doherty this week, Tyron Matthew. We've also got Player Reporter brought to you by Arctic. It's KJAC TV. Concerts. Yeah, concerts. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about concerts next right here on Texas All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio on this Friday evening. So glad to have been with you this evening. I am John Harris, your host, football analyst and sideline reporter, and geeked about going to Nashville. Should get good weather up in Nashville, apparently. I have seen the, the weather report change a little bit. It was it was going to be sunny, and it was sunny, showing sun all week on Sunday. At the beginning of the week, it was showing 90, high of 90. I'm like, oh. Man, it's brutal. And then it dropped, it dropped, it dropped. It was showing 83 yesterday. And then late yesterday, it showed rain. And when I got it this morning, it was showing 83, but completely sunny. So it would appear we're going to get good weather. Maybe a little steamy, but that's okay. It's football outside. I would say it's the way it should be, but I would, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you how much I love playing indoors. You don't have to worry about weather. You don't have to worry about being sunny or cold. I was actually cold last week in Foxborough to start the game. I was cold. I have never, ever. And I, I played my college football up in New England. I have never, ever been cold for an opening game. Ever. Of course, I played my high school ball here. I mean, the first game my senior year, it was 95 degrees, 100% humidity. And, it, and I lost 12 pounds during the game. It was ridiculous. So it was a little weird to have that wind and be cold. My hands were a little cold. Once the game got going, it was it was actually it was great. But it'll be a little different this week. Don't know if Hurricane Florence will play a role bringing rain to Nashville. But what I've read is that if it does, it's more Monday or Tuesday sort of thing. So I know there's some people going up there. I know my boys at North Shore Rotary are going to be up there. Matt Davis and his guys, uh, and they've got some good seats on the Nash on the Tennessee side on our side. Uh, of that uh, Nissan Stadium at and in Nashville. So uh, looking forward to seeing them, and hopefully they enjoy the trip. And if you're going, enjoy the trip. I know the Traveling Texans will have a photo at some point. So you guys traveled very well to New England. That was really cool. That was very, very cool to see. And that really impressed the New England people. I mean, that was that was really cool. So there you go. All right, let's get into this. It's the final word with Drew Doherty. Each and every week we give Drew the final word, and this week it is with the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews. 
Drew. Thanks so much, fellas. We got safety Tyron Matthew with us. And Tyron, big week ahead. It's a yeah. uh, division rival. You got the Titans. Let's start at the quarterback spot. You've seen him before last year. Yeah. You and the Cardinals beat him 12 7, mm-hmm. three tackles. You guys sacked him three times, picked him off twice. What do you see from Marcus Mariota that's a challenge? Well, I mean, he's a he's an NFL quarterback. Um, obviously, you know, he goes through his phases, you know, when you drop certain guys in coverage. But I think he's a guy that can, you know, not only use his arm, but he can use his legs and extend plays. So um, they draw a lot of different plays up design for pitch and catch. A lot of the plays as well is for him to get out in space. So uh, they like to get him on the move to throw the ball. So we just got to be solid with contain, solid with our rushes. And then in coverage, we just got to plaster. You talk about those plays that they drop for him to get him out of the pocket. How much more of a challenge does that present for you guys at the back of the defense? Well, it extends the play. You know, it adds more seconds to the play. Um, and obviously, the, the wide receivers, they get creative with their routes. So um, obviously, they're, they're trying to get open. They're scrambling around. So we just got to keep a mindset that not only when he's scrambling, does he wants to run, but it's plenty of times that he throws the ball as well. So we just got to be conscious of it. And it also gives you guys an opportunity to make some plays from time to time, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, it's going to be fun. You know, like I said, um, it's always a challenge when you play against a guy that can run and can throw. Um, So as long as we're sharp with our contain up front and then on the back end, uh, as long as we can plaster to our man, uh, we'll have a shot. He has an interesting group of, of weapons that he can throw to, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's kind of up and down right now with Delaney Walker being out. Uh, we know that that was his number one target, but they got the back, Deion Lewis from New England, who's really good out of the backfield. Um, and they got a core of young guys that can really uh, stretch the field for them. So I think last week, uh, they, I don't think the game went quite as they planned. So I know this week with them being home, you know, they're going to come out and try to wild their crowd. So we just got to be sharp. All right, you touched leather, as you said, after the game last week twice. How do you touch leather again and, and get into the end zone this time? You know, I'm, I'm you know, they, they threw a couple picks last week. If you watch them on tape, you know, we'll, I'll have a chance. Uh, a lot of us in the secondary have a chance to, to make a play on the ball. This time around, hopefully, uh, if my teammates make a play, you know, I can get a block. And, you know, if I get my hands on the ball, then, you know, everybody get the block. And so we get some points. I like it. This is radio. But uh, for those of you listening, he said all this with a, a nice smile on his face to Tyron Matthew. <laughs> Last question. What's it been like after one full game of playing? behind this front seven. This is a different group. You had a really good group in in Arizona over the years as well. But what's it like playing with this group? It's exciting, man. You know, every every time, you know, every play, I should say, um, we know we got an opportunity to, to really make a play, whether it be those guys in the front spilling the run to us or those guys getting pressure and forcing the error and throw. So uh, I'm excited about it, and, you know, I can't wait to get, the, get to the rest of these 15 games. Neither can we. Tyron Matthew, thanks so much for the time. Hope you touch leather this weekend and many, many more times throughout this season. Appreciate it, Drew. Thank you. <laughs> I love this segment, and it is brought to you by Arctic the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit rticoolers.com, Arctic Coolers, overbuilt, not overpriced. It is time for Player Reporter. This week, KJAC TV dives deep into concerts. Here with yours truly, number 55. What number you? Okay. Bernardrick McKinney. How you doing, B-Mac? Doing good, man. Tell us one concert that you want to go to right now. Any artist? Ooh, J. Cole. Get the KOD tour for sure. Okay, okay. That's. Right. I'm sure that was good. I've not been to a Drake concert, so that would be one concert I would want to see. 
I heard he's he, he's doing some some big stuff right now. He got some got a nice concert right now. Him and the Migos. They should be coming here soon. You gonna check it out? Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I want to see the Beyonce concert right now. Beyonce? She's from Houston. I want to. I want to see Beyonce. That's a, that's a big time choice. Yeah. Big choice. Big choice. I'm sure all the fans would definitely love that one, man. Probably Rihanna. Rihanna. That's a good one. What's your favorite Drake song right now? Favorite Drake right now. I mean, I'm more into the old Drake. Yeah, oh, to be honest, okay. I thought you were gonna hit, hit me with the uh, the Kiki challenge. No, no, no. Look at that in you. No, I, ain't, I ain't got none of that in me. That ain't your favorite song right now. It's not my favorite song. I'm gonna let y'all keep that. Uh-huh. Could have I saw you doing that dance. Take care, Drake. You know. All right. Any artist? Uh, I want to go see that uh, that Drake and Migos. Drake and Migos. That's that's the hot one right now. Yeah, I want to go. They see should that. be. They should be coming here soon. Hopefully so. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be there. We are gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first concert you've been to? Uh, my first concert was Snoop Dogg Ooh. in Portland, Oregon with my parents. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, my parents took me, so we was in a little standing section. What was your first concert you ever been to? No, i never been to one. Black, never been to? Yeah, Black Youngster. <laughs> <laughs> was that even a concert? No, it wasn't a concert. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> first concert? Uh, well, I'm from Washington, D.C., and it was a go-go band. I think it was called CCB. Probably You guys probably never heard of them, so yeah. Yeah, I've, I've definitely never heard of that yeah, one. Was it good? It was great. It was amazing. Are they still doing concerts now? They're still doing concerts. Still okay, doing well, concerts. we may have to check that one out. Well, what was the first concert that you ever went to? Ever went to? That's a good question, bro. Uh, and a while back. Actually, J. Cole, matter of fact. J. Cole? J. Cole, it was uh, Born Center. Mm. That's dope. I like J. Cole. J. Cole got some great music, Oh, you fire, bro. It might have been Red Hot Chili Peppers. It might have been one, the first one. A man behind the scenes shaking his head like, he's like, Red Hot Chili Peppers, his stuff, man. That's you, oh my God. You know what I'm talking about back there. Give me one Red Hot Chili Pepper song. Oh, we got Can't Stop. Let me hear a little. You know, Can't Stop Addicted to the Shindig. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? I don't because I don't know any Red Hot Chili Pepper songs. I'm sorry. That's all we got for you today, my guy. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna have you on again, man. It's gonna be a long, a long, long good season, man. I'm gonna have you on again, man. My guy Scar, man. KJAT TV, man. We out. And there it is, another Friday show put in the books. A lot of people to thank for this one. Bill O'Brien, Mark Vandermeer, DP Sidhu, Aaron Colvin, Drew Doherty, Bruce Ellington, Mike Keith of the Tennessee Titans, Tyron Matthew. And, of course, Kareem Jackson with Player Reporter. Big one on Sunday, no doubt. Is it must win? Potentially. But this team has got to get a win in the worst way. No question. We will see you then, everybody. want you to keep it right here for the Fantasy Four with Kyle King, Josh Beard, Joe George, and my man, BMAC, Brian McDonald. They give you all the fantasy info you need coming up next right here on our flagship sports radio 610 looking forward to nashville looking forward to a w hopefully we'll see you there but either way check us out at sports radio 610 kickoff is at 12 pregame show at nine and then we're going to get rolling with the titans and hopefully come back for the first time in a while with a w see you then everybody and as always go texans